An Arab news source revealed a secret document claiming the European Union will help Arabs take over Area C. Well, Jesus prophesied similar events would immediately precede His second coming. The stage is certainly being set for these events. We'll discuss it on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. There's so much happening in the news right now that pertains to Bible prophecy. It's really easy to prove we're in the end time. And I want to cover that on the next couple segments of End of the Age. Daniel 9.27 prophesies that the Antichrist will confirm Israel's right to exist in the promised land in just the very near future. And this peace agreement will be a seven-year temporary agreement. And it will be temporary because the status of Jerusalem will be left unresolved. And this peace agreement, once it's signed, that has the five characteristics, biblical characteristics, we will know that this peace agreement began the final seven years to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. Now, the peace agreement will provide for a Palestinian state in the West Bank. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. Historically and biblically, this area is referred to as Judea. And this agreement will allow... It's, well, well, it will also allow the Jews that live in Judea presently to remain there as a Jewish minority under that new Palestinian state. Now, I know that this seems impossible. They've been trying to get this done for decades. But this is exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. We know this from the prophecy of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapter 24, 15 through 18, and verse 21. Jesus said, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet all the way back in Daniel 9.27, when you see that event take place in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. So we can understand the prophecies of the Bible. Jesus says right here. And then he says, but when you see that event occur, then let them which be in Judea, the modern day West Bank, In the Olivet Discourse, he's talking about the end of the age events, things that would occur just prior to his second coming. So he says, when you see the Antichrist stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God, then let them which be in Judea or the modern-day West Bank, they've got to flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop, don't go down into your house to take anything. Hit the ground running. Neither him that's in working in the field, don't return back for your clothes. Why? Because in verse 21, Jesus said, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. And this 
event starts, it's the catalyst that launches us into the final three and one half years, immediately preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is the Great Tribulation. Now, in this passage, and this is very important to my program here today, Jesus paints a picture of the Jews living under a hostile government in Judea. In today's um, news sources, they would be referred to many times as the settlers, living in Gush Etzion and many different places out in the West Bank. Well, they're going under the new um, Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement that will be signed in the future, they will be allowed to live in that new Palestinian state as a Jewish minority. But they will be living under a hostile government. Jesus, this is what Jesus is prophesying about in Matthew 24. When the abomination of desolation occurs halfway through the final seven years, the Jews living in Judea will have to flee for their lives. And this event will be the one that launches that final three and one half years called the Great Tribulation. And isn't it amazing that the very scenario Jesus painted a picture of here 2,000 years ago is exactly what is presently being discussed in major Israeli news sources right now. Now, what about this secret EU document? What are they trying to do? Well, what I want to do on these next couple segments is to explain to you what they're trying to do in the, in the, in the um, West Bank region and how it ties in with Bible prophecy and how it's a total false narrative by the European Union, which will be the power base of the Antichrist in the end time. It is all setting the stage for the fulfillment of these Bible prophecies written 2,000 to 2,500 years ago. So what about this document? Well, under the Oslo Peace Accords back in 1993, the West Bank, Biblical Judea, as Jesus referred to it as, and, and throughout the Bible, was divided into three non-contiguous areas called Area A, Area B, and Area C. Area A constitutes uh, approximately 18% of the West Bank and is controlled exclusively by the Palestinian Authority. Area B constitutes approximately 22% of the West Bank, and in Area B, the Palestinian Authority controls all Palestinian public order and civil affair issues, but Israel controls internal security issues and in, Area B, in Area B in coordination with the Palestinian Authority. So it's kind of like a somewhat of a sharing arrangement there. And then Area C, which is what's in question here with this secret European document, that is defined as all West Bank territories not allocated with areas A and B. So according to area, um, this Area C, that comprises about 60% of the West Bank. And it includes all the Jewish settlements, uh, you know, maybe close uh, somewhere around 450,000 people who live in dozens of these settlements. And Israel Defense Forces, the IDF, uh, they're also included these camps and military installments. You can drive through and see them when you go into the West Bank today. And areas of security importance, 
and other non-inhabited areas. So in Area C, Israel controls all internal security and public order issues, as well as civil affair issues and things like that, except that the Palestinian Authority controls all civil affair issues for the Palestinians that reside in Area C because it's kind of a sharing arrangement as well, other than those related to the management of the land. So I wanted to give you an idea of what Area A, B, and C is in the West Bank. Those were divided up in the Oslo Peace Accords in 93. And when we get back from the break, we'll get into the secret document and what it reveals from the European Union. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME. Or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Now we come to the secret document of the EU that, that has been revealed that will help Arabs take over Area C. And that's why I wanted to make sure you understood what areas A, B, and C were and how they were divided up and who controls them all the way back to the Oslo Peace Accords in 93. So the Jewish News Syndicate, they reported that, and there's many other new Israeli news sources, that the EU is working with the Palestinian Authority to take over Area C, and this was a document obtained by the Jewish News Syndicate. And... It's very prophetic because, remember, Jesus was talking about this specific area that would be controlled by the Palestinians just prior to His second coming. Now, what's going on? Well, a confidential document composed by the European Union's mission in eastern Jerusalem 
and obtained by the Jewish News Syndicate shows that Brussels, Brussels, Belgium, and Europe, is actively working with and on behalf of the Palestinian Authority to take over Area C of Judea, Samaria, with the overall objective of integrating the region with areas A and B. Well, of course, this goes uh, directly against Israel's plans there and what they're trying to do in their settlements and inhabiting the land as well, which is rightfully theirs according to the Bible. And I'll get to that in a moment. But the document begins by saying, the European Union is committed to contribute to building a Palestinian state within 1967 borders, which are totally indefensible uh, if you look at the original partition plan and it it would leave Israel about nine miles wide or so at the waist, and to mobilize this purpose, its political and financial tools. The document goes on to say, the viability of the two-state solution is being steadily eroded by the progressive fragmentation and creeping annexation of Area C. They're against Israel. This is anti-Israel, you understand. They're saying that Israel is eroding the, the situation that's going on there by continually annexing and creeping annexation of Area C. But according to the Bible, it's their land anyway. It's disputed territory. And so this is what's in question here. Well, the document says this calls for an enhanced, articulated, and robust nexus approach mobilizing European political and financial means. Europe is going to support this both politically in the international community and financially. Now, according to the confidential document, the EU's pragmatic approach in Area C stands on four main pillars. Now, again, I want you to understand this is setting the stage for prophetic events. This is an ongoing fulfillment of a prophecy given by Daniel 2,500 years ago and by Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 24. So the four pillars of this uh, document is... Number one, planning and mapping of land rights with aims to strengthen the capacity of the local communities in Area C. Not Israeli communities, but Palestinian Authority communities. And in, um, in these communities in Area C, it really in planning their own resources and securing their land through local planning, mapping land right interventions, that will provide a framework for investment and development. Now, the number two pillow, pillar would be provisions of social and public infrastructure projects. And so what they're wanting to do, the, the, these aims would improve access to basic services such as water, electricity, road infrastructure that is pro-Palestinian, you understand, education, health through investments in essential social and public infrastructure, and the projects are identified in coordination with Palestinian Authority and based on the development needs identified by Palestinian communities in Area C. So far, this pillar includes contributions from member states, um, which would be uh, Denmark, France, and Germany, in addition to the United Kingdom. So they're already pouring money and resources into this. Now imagine being Israel... And Europe says, oh yeah, we're your ally. But out in this disputed territory, this West Bank, 
that you conquered in 1967 in the Six Days War, we're going to work with the Palestinians to bolster their position in that area and mapping new territories for them. That's really what's going on here. And it's diametrically opposed to the Bible. And, but yet it's setting the stage for things that the Bible says will occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The number three pillar in this document, that this private document that they um, found, was the private sector development and investment in Area C, notably in agriculture, green energy, and resilience. This pillar aims to support private sector development and investment in Area C in order to contribute to sustainable and inclusive economic development and Palestinian communities. They don't care about Israel. All they're worried about is the Palestinians, these Arabs that were there when Israel was, um, the the original partition plan, when Israel accepted their original portion of the partition plan, the Arabs that were left over, they're called Palestinians. Those are the ones that refer to as the Palestinians today. Now, number four, Local governance. It aims to enhance Palestinian local authorities' contribution to governance and development processes in Area C as a precondition for a more equitable and open, accountable society. And it has been jointly implemented with the with Belgium and links to ongoing support to the Association of Palestinian Local Authorities and local governance units in Area C. So the United uh, the European Union. And its member states have also supported civil society organizations in legal aid and to Palestinian communities in Area C to promote human rights, freedom of expression, and peace-building activities. Think about this. Peace-building activities. Do you think this is going to garner peace and uh, just be a, a, a wonderful um, kumbaya situation with Israel? Absolutely not. This is one of the big things that the incoming government, the very far-right government of Netanyahu, is going to want to battle against is the encroachment and the expansion of Palestinian settlements and different things out in especially Area C, but the, the rest of the West Bank. Now, Professor Eugene Kontorovich, he's the director of international law at the Kohelet Policy Forum in Jerusalem, He told the Jewish News Syndicate the leaked EU document shows that Brussels, Brussels, Belgium, is taking steps in anticipation of policies by Israel's incoming government to preserve lands in Area C, which is supposed to be mainly inhabited by Israel, right? So you say, wow, that is a mouthful. Well, it absolutely is, but I want to make sure you understand what is going on here. Because this is very, very prophetic. It's really setting the stage for very significant end-time events. Jesus Christ specifically prophesied about this event that's going on here. The ongoing fulfillment of this prophecy we're watching happening. It's playing out right before our very eyes in the news. And that's why it's very important that you understand the prophecies of the Bible. Without understanding the prophecies, you would just think, well, this is just another news event. Or, oh, the Palestinians and Israelis, they're at it again. That that, uh, conflict is never going to go away. But the fact of the matter is, is this is very prophetic, 
And so I want to explain that to you because, folks, Jesus prophesied this would happen and Daniel prophesied these events would occur just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. A lot of people speculate, are we in the end time? Maybe we are, maybe we're not, who knows? That could be thousands of years away. Maybe he'll never come back. We've heard about the second coming for years now, right? However, when you understand the prophecies of the Bible, it lets you know we're just prior to his second coming, folks, and I need to prepare myself and as many people as, I, as under my influence, I need to prepare them for the second coming of Jesus Christ. So first, prophecies foretell the European Union, because I want you to understand the European Union's role not just what's going on here in the Palestinian, the um, West Bank area. Prophecies foretell the European Union will be the power base of the Antichrist. So in the end time, the European Union is going to be anti-Israel. We know that. The Antichrist will arise in the future among ten kings. And we know this from Daniel 7.24, Revelation 17, 12, and 13, that these... Ten kings um, will be in alliance with the Antichrist. Other prophecies reveal these ten kings or, uh, um, or ten horns that they symbolize the end-time reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. So when the Antichrist arises among these ten kings, in other words, from Europe, that Daniel 7.8 says he will uproot three of these horns, these kings, And Daniel 7, uh, 24 says he will subdue three kings. So the ten-nation kingdom, the European Union, will be the power base of the Antichrist in the end time. It is going to be anti-Semitic. You can see anti-Semitism rising in the world right now, especially in Europe. Even though they claim to be uh, Israel's ally, in the end, Israel, or Europe will be the power base of the Antichrist, who will be over the charge. I know Europe is going to, uh, Russia is going to lead the charge at the Battle of Armageddon, but the Antichrist will be the main manager of the entire conflict. Why? Because of what's going on in the news right now. This Israeli-Palestinian situation. They're never going to come to grips on this, uh, on the, the Jerusalem situation And that is why in the Battle of Armageddon, the armies of the world will come down against Israel to battle. These are the things that are being dealt out in the news right now as we speak. This conflict. And now you can see the significance of this secret European Union document exposing their efforts to help the Palestinians control the West Bank. If you didn't understand the prophecies of the Bible, it would be impossible to look back, look at this situation and say, okay, I really understand what's going on. A lot of people just go into a geopolitical situation, but it is so much more than that. We want to understand from the prophecies of the Bible, what does the future hold? Because that helps us to really understand this situation. Europe and the Antichrist will be involved in this situation that's being talked about in the news right now. So this is the ongoing fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. The the Palestinians contend that the only hope for peace between them and the Israelis is a two-state solution. They claim that their state should be established in Judea, the the, the modern-day West Bank, and the United States 
And the, the European Union and the United Nations all agree that the two-state solution is the only viable solution to the conflict between the Israelis and, and the Palestinians. Of course, this is the, the, what Jesus foretold, he, this, this hostile scenario in his Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. So as a result of the future peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians, what's going to happen? Well, this, the Temple Mount is going to be shared according to Revelation 11, 1 through 2. And all of this comes into play because the government coming in right now of Netanyahu is going to want... They're, they're endeavoring to take control of the police situation and on the Temple Mount and... They're going to try to mess with the status quo. They say they're not, but just wait and see what happens. They're very, very right-wing, and many people are concerned about them coming in. Now, so we know as a result of this peace agreement, what does the future hold here? Well, there's going to be, the Temple Mount's going to be placed under a sharing arrangement, and there's going to be a third temple built. Revelation 11, 1 through 2, John said, And there was given unto me a reed like unto a rod, And the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave it out. Don't don't even measure it, John. For it's given unto the Gentiles and and the holy city shall they tread underfoot for 42 months. That three and a half year period. So John was instructed to measure the temple, a future temple, and those that worship therein. And then he was told to not measure the outer court because it would be trodden down of the Gentiles or under Gentile control, let's say. This scripture paints a picture of the Temple Mount being shared between Jew and Gentile. Again, I know it looks completely impossible right now when you read the news. But the Bible says this is specifically what's going to happen in the very near future. And the scene in this prophecy describes the Temple Mount during the final 42 months of the final seven-year agreement. So a lot is going to kick off, and many prophecies will happen simultaneously during this final seven-year period, right? And also, the the Jewish temple is going to be built. Go back to Revelation 11, 1 and 2. John was told to measure the temple. Well, you can't measure a temple if there's no temple to measure. And he was told to do this when there would be 42 months left. This lets us know that there will be a Jewish temple uh, that will be built and completed during the first three and one half years of that final seven-year agreement. What are we talking about here? We're talking about prophecies that will take place just prior to, leading up to, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And these events that will setting the stage for this are playing out right before our very eyes in the major news sources in Israel right now. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, confirms that there will be a temple built in the very near future. It says that the Antichrist will sit in the temple of God at the time of which the abomination of desolation, which will occur halfway through the final seven years, that's when it's going to happen. So the Antichrist won't be able to sit in a temple if there's no temple to sit in, right? Again, this proves that the Jewish temple will be completed during the first three and one-half years of that final seven-year agreement. Now, beyond that, animal sacrifices will be conducted and then stopped. You know, once the Jewish temple is completed, animal sacrifices are going to be resumed as were practiced by the Jews in the Old Testament. And we know this because in Daniel 9.27, prophecy, um, this prophecy foretells the final seven years. It states that the Antichrist, in the middle of that seven-year period, will cause the sacrifices to cease. Well, you can't stop sacrifices if they're not ongoing, right? It would be impossible. Daniel 11.31 also records that the Antichrist will stop the sacrifices. It says, um, And arms shall stand on his part, the Antichrist's part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. And they shall place the abomination with make, which maketh desolate. So the Antichrist will commit the abomination of desolation. And in order to justify stopping the Jewish sacrifices, the Antichrist will offer his reason for doing so. He'll remind the world that, the, that um, most people have come to agree that all religions pretty much worship the same God. They merely call him by different names. But then he's going to go a step further. The Antichrist is going to remain uh, to remind the, the different religions that most of them are expecting an anointed leader to appear. Jews are looking for the Messiah. Christians are looking, um, they're expecting what the second coming of Jesus Christ. Muslims believe the Mahdi will soon come. And Buddhists, they're expecting their fifth Buddha. The Antichrist will then claim that he is the anointed one that the different religions have been expecting and yearning for. And therefore... There is no more need for the offering of the sacrifices. Your Messiah is here, everybody. 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says that he will exalt his, himself above all that is called God or worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God claiming that he is God. Well, the um, euphoria over the peace agreement is going to be short-lived. When the issue of Jerusalem resurfaces at the end of the final seven years, Israel is still going to refuse to to surrender her beloved city, Jerusalem. It's never going to happen. The United Nations will demand Israel allow the establishment of a Palestinian capital in East Jerusalem. You say, well, what's the international community? What's the United Nations got to do with it? The United Nations just recently voted uh, to demand Israel to get rid of all their nuclear weapons. The United Nations, the Antichrist, is eventually going to usurp authority over that world governing body, and he will feel very comfortable up on the Temple Mount, right? As the leader of the world government. So Israel is going to declare at the end of this final seven years that Jerusalem is her eternal capital and must never be divided or surrendered. Well, that's going to be an affront to the the Antichrist and the world community. They're going to demand that Israel comply with the edicts of the United Nations or face international forces. But still, Israel will steadfastly refuse. The decision is going to be made to launch a military invasion to force Israel's submission to the will of the international community. And this is clearly prophesied in Zechariah 14 too. The Bible says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. This is why it's very important that you understand the situation that's going on with Europe and the West Bank right now. Because Europe will be the power base of the Antichrist in the very near future. We're watching the prophecies play out right before our very eyes. The invasion that will, it's going to start in northern Israel in the plain of Megiddo. And that's what will give the battle the name of Armageddon, Har Megiddo, the hill of Megiddo. Israel's going to fight valiantly, but will slowly be driven back by the superior forces of the world community. Finally, the international forces will reach the outskirts of Jerusalem where Israel will make its last stand. And we're told in Zechariah 14 too, that half of the city will go forth into captivity. So at the very end there, it's going to appear that Israel is on the brink of being wiped completely off the map. And of course, that's the, the, the God of heaven. He will be, have been watching the war against Israel by the Antichrist and his world government. And when Israel's situation looks hopeless, Zechariah 14.3 Uh, tells us what's going to happen. It says, Then shall the Lord go forth, fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. God has had it up to here, and he's coming back to take take care of business. Jesus Christ will supernaturally intervene on the side of Israel. He will destroy the Antichrist, remove all the human governments that have so utterly failed in their efforts to rule the earth. And Jesus will establish his kingdom upon earth as described in... Revelation eleven fifteen. This is at the seventh trumpet. The Bible says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And that's what's coming. That's the stage that is before us. The stage is being set for those events. But I want you to understand 
what's going on with the international community and what would how the stage is being set from their perspective as well. Not just Europe and the Antichrist will be the ruler of that, but how right now the international community is looking at this. And it's all of this is diametrically opposed to the Word of God. You understand? And all of this is playing out right before us. So, this is a, this is a horrible false narrative. This is why there's a lot of anti-Semitism. I should say one of the reasons, but there are many that claim the international community is correct on its stance that Jerusalem and therefore Israel should be divided and that the West Bank should belong to the Arabs or Palestinians. However, this is one of the worst lies being promulgated by the United Nations, Europe, and many others. It's diametrically opposed to the Word of God. And I want to make sure you know this today because you are being indoctrinated by the major news sources in the world today that Israel, hey, they're the ones that are to blame here and they should not be occupying that. They call it the occupation. Israel's not occupying a land. It's disputed territory. And God gave them that land Thousands of years ago. But yet you're being told in the news, Israel should give up that land for peace. They're the reason for the conflicts in the Middle East. And that's what the major news sources and the international community wants you to know. But folks, listen, we're always going to go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about Israel? What does the Bible say about the promised land? Back in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Bible says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land, a specific land on this entire earth. Abram, get thee from your kindred unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you. This is still pertinent today to Israel. I will bless them that bless you. I will curse them that curse you. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Abraham was called Abram until God changed his name later on. And so this is God's call to Abraham or Abram. And he was called to go, where did, where did God send him? To South Africa, over someplace in Russia? No. He sent him to that little portion of land right there on the Mediterranean Sea. It's called the promised land. The land known today as the nation of Israel. And from this one man, every family on the earth would be blessed. Well, you say, well, how would, a, how would, uh, be, uh, he, would be, how would he be a blessing? And, but the Bible says he would, and he would be a blessing, and anyone who blessed him would be blessed, and anyone who cursed him would be accursed. This promise is still applicable to the offspring of Abraham through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the nation of Israel today. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And you say, well, how would Abraham be, his his seed be a blessing to everybody on the earth? God gave Abraham two promises. The the, The promise of the promised land, the nation of Israel today, and the promise of the promised seed, which of course would be Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that came through that lineage. And he would be a blessing to everyone on earth who would obey the gospel, be born again, and spend eternity 
with him when he came back a second time. That's what this is referring to, the promised seed. Genesis uh, chapter 15 tells us about the promised land. Genesis 15, 12 says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell over Abram, and lo, and a horror of great darkness fell upon him. In the previous verses, God told Abraham to prepare a sacrifice, and when Abraham did so, darkness came over him and he fell into a trance. Jump to Genesis 15, verses 17 and 18. It says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace in his vision, and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, and he said, Unto thy seed have I given this land, and from the river of Egypt. Now think about the, only the little sliver of land they inhabit today. But God said, I'm going to give you that land from the, from the river in Egypt all the way up to the great river, the river Euphrates. So regardless of the false narratives, I want you to understand this because this is so much about this in the news today. Regardless of all the false narratives, the, the lies is what they are that the international community is spinning and the bought and paid for media. Israel belongs to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Folks, everyone needs to know the truth. Why do we love Israel so much? Well, there are many reasons for that, but I recognize that God gave those people the land of Israel thousands of years ago. And then... If you understand the story, God uh, chose Mount Moriah, which is the Temple Mount today. He chose that around, uh, what would have, okay, so Abraham, 2000 BC, when he instructed Abraham to go there to sacrifice his son Isaac. That was on Mount Moriah, that, what the, where the Temple Mount is. And then around 1000 BC, King David moved Israel's capital from Hebron down in southern Israel to, jo- to Jerusalem. Jerusalem then remained Israel's capital for 1,070 years until the Romans drove Jews out of the city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. During King David's reign, God instructed him to buy the Temple Mount as a place of sacrifice. And the exact same place which, David had, uh, which God had sent Abraham for his sacrifice. In... 2 Samuel, verse 24, uh, 24, it tells us that David purchased the Temple Mount from Aaron of the Jebusite for 50 shekels of silver. So when there's a dispute thousands of years later that, well, part of that should be the Palestinians or the Arabs that were left there at the, at the time of the partition plan. Well, then you know that that's simply not the case. That's a false narrative being promulgated by the United Nations and the rest of the international community. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, this false narrative that the international community is pushing, it's setting the stage for end-time events. Because we know that these things are going to come to pass. The international community, the Antichrist, the leader of the world government is going to come against Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. Look at what's going on right now. Trying to divide Israel. And Israel is actually going to trade land for peace. There is going to be a Palestinian state created in the very near future. I know it seems impossible, but it's diametrically opposed to the Word of God. It's not a good thing. But I want you to understand that we're nearing the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's what all this is telling us. And so it's something we need to be watchful for. We need to be preparing because God's return is not, it's not very far off. Now, when David purchased the threshing floor of Arana, his son Solomon built the first temple on the Temple Mount, and that was completed back in 968 B.C. During the dedication of, the, of Solomon's temple, fire supernaturally fell from heaven on the sacrifice, and the glory of God filled the temple. And this divine event forever solidified in the Jewish mind God's approval of the temple on the Temple Mount as the center of the Jewish life. Now, when you read articles today about that Israel's trying to protect her interest on the Temple Mount and in Israel and in Jerusalem. Why are they doing that? Because they know these stories. They're in, they are ingrained in their mind. And so the international community is trying to spin a complete false narrative that, oh, they, let's divide it. Give them half of Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? Do you know that God said, I will put my name in Jerusalem Forever. And the Lord appeared to Solomon at night after the dedication of the first temple. And he said, I, Solomon, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. This is, uh, would be what, Second Chronicles chapter 7, I think verse 12. And he went on to say in verse 16, he said, For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. So he gives Israel the promised land. He specifically chooses Mount Moriah, and then he uh, blesses and anoints the first temple and says, my name will be here perpetually. Then 2 Chronicles 33.7 states that not only will God put His name in the temple, but also His name will be in Jerusalem forever. Jerusalem is the only city on earth in which God said, I will put my name there forever. Think about that. And with this pronouncement, the wars over Jerusalem began. It's it's almost as if Satan said, well, if you want your name there, then that's exactly where I want my name, right? And since that time, 
there have been more wars fought over Jerusalem than any other city on the planet. But yet you have the international community saying, well, you know, we really should divide Jerusalem. Are you kidding me? What would you do if you were a Jew? I wouldn't divide Jerusalem. There's no way. Not if I understand the Bible. So, the first temple era began. Uh, 968 B.C. lasted till 586 B.C. Solomon's temple uh, stood from 968 B.C. to 586 B.C. when the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and the city of Jerusalem carried the people of Judea away as slaves into Babylon, and during the following 70 years of captivity, devout Jews turned their faces three times each day towards Jerusalem. And they asked God to forgive them of their sins and to return them to Jerusalem. And God answered the prayer in 538 B.C. when the Persian king Cyrus released the Jews from their captivity and he decreed that the temple should be rebuilt. And so they were, you remember, it's a story. The Jews were led by Zerubbabel and the Temple Mount was, uh, the temple was rebuilt on the Temple Mount uh, being completed in 516 B.C. And this begins the second temple era. But once again, Jerusalem and the Temple Mount became the center of Jewish life. Jews resumed making their way to Jerusalem three times each year as commanded by God back in Deuteronomy 16, 16. And so the the second temple era, that went from 516 B.C. until 70 A.D. And after the completion of the second temple, Israel enjoyed a time of relative quiet under the world government of the Medes and the Persians. Even when the Medes and the Persians were conquered by Alexander the Great and his Grecian armies, Israel continued living in the Holy Land with Jerusalem as its capital. And then you have um, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. You know, after the death of Alexander the Great, his kingdom was divided into four parts, uh, led by his four generals. Uh, Cassandra ruled in Macedonia and Greece. Um, Lysimachus uh, controlled Thrace and Asia Minor. Seleucus... Uh, ruled uh, much of the Middle East, and Ptolemy reigned in Egypt, Cyprus, and in uh, Asia Minor. Well, Antiochus IV became the leader of the Seleucids in 174 B.C. And he changed his name to Antiochus Epiphanes. The name Epiphanes means God manifest or the manifestation of a divine or supernatural being. After assigning to himself this self-exalting name, no one should have been surprised at some of the things that he proceeded to do. In 168 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem, removed the sacred objects from the the Jewish temple, and slaughtered a large number of Jews. He then imposed a tax and established a fortress in Jerusalem, and Antiochus tried to suppress public observance of Jewish laws in an attempt to impose total control over the Jews, and his government outlawed the Jewish scriptures and forbade circumcision on penalty of death. It banned Sabbath observance, set up an idol um, of Jupiter on the Temple Mount, the ultimate desecration, idol worship, 
And according to Josephus, Antiochus even forced Jews to sacrifice swine's flesh upon the temple's altar. So horrible situation, right? But the Jews understand all of this history. And the revolt of the Maccabees. I mean, these actions by Antiochus so offended the Jewish people that the, they, the revolt became inevitable. They had to do something, right? And a priestly family of Mattathias, which came to be known as the Maccabees, called the people forth to holy war against Antiochus and the Seleucids. In 164 B.C., Judah, one of the Maccabean sons, captured Jerusalem. Judah offered the temple to be cleansed, a new altar built in place, and the desecrated one a new holy, um, and new holy vessels made. When the fire had been kindled once again upon the altar and the lamps of the candlestick lit, the dedication of the altar was celebrated for eight days with sacrifices and songs, and this was the beginning of the festival of Hanukkah, which the Jews celebrate yearly to this day. So this revolt by the Maccabees began over 100 years of Israel independence, and this area is referred to the uh, Hasmonean kingdom and was marked with continual infighting and civil strife. Well, then comes the Romans. The Roman general Pompey conquered Jerusalem in 63 B.C., placing Israel in the uh, Roman sphere of influence and returning to the Hasmoneans, returning the Hasmoneans to power. In 40 B.C., Herod was anointed king of the Jews by the Roman Senate, and he was entrusted with enforcing Roman influence in the Holy Land and with, of course, collecting Roman tax. And in 37 B.C., Herod the Great captured Jerusalem, ending Hasmonean rule, because Herod ruled Judea as a client king of the Romans. The Jews hated him. And in an attempt to gain favor with the Jews... Herod the Great remodeled the second temple, making it larger and much more beautiful. Uh, it was the platform that's there today. You can see it. Not the temple, but the platform's there today. And it was said of the refurbished temple, he that has never seen Herod's temple has never seen a beautiful building in his life. Well, of course, then you know that the Romans destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D. It was only, what, 30 or 40 years after the prophecy of Jesus when Jesus prophesied that it would be destroyed, that the Roman armies came and camped against Jerusalem. They invaded the city and burnt the temple to the ground. Then in 135 AD, the Roman emperor Hadrian totally banned Jews from living in Jerusalem. And this began the 2,000 years of Jewish exile from the Temple Mount and the city of which God had said, I will put my name there forever. But the Jews still remember that today. Well, during this exile which was about, what, 1,878 years, devout Jews prayed three times each day with their faces towards Jerusalem that God would forgive their sins, return the Jews to their promised land. I mean, it became a custom at Jewish weddings for the groom to, of the ceremony to crush a glass under his heel. And this was to indicate that on the happiest day of his life, he could not be completely happy since the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. So throughout the exile, when Jews parted from one another's company, it became their custom to conclude their goodbyes with next year in Jerusalem. But, of course, 
United Nations, guess what? You can't have Jerusalem. So what happened? What brings all this to a culmination here? What's the United Nations got to do with it? Well, after Hitler's Holocaust, the United Nations decided it was time to give the Jews a place that they could call home. On November 29, 1947, the United Nations voted to partition the Holy Land into two nations, Israel and Palestine. The world body decided that Jerusalem would be declared an international city and that it would be placed under United Nations control. Imagine that. God said, I will put my name there. And the United Nations, driven by Satan, said, Nah, we're going to make that an international city. They've been trying to control it ever since. Well, of course, the Arabs refused the partition plan, launching a war to destroy the newborn nation of Israel. And when a ceasefire was declared in 1949, Israel controlled West, the West Bank. Um, well, they, I should say they controlled West Jerusalem. And Jordan controlled East Jerusalem, including the Temple Mount. Israel immediately adopted uh, Jerusalem as its capital. Well, when the 1967 Six Days War broke out, Jordan launched an attack against Israel. Israel counterattacked, driving Jordan out of Jerusalem and back across the Jordan River. And the difference between the 67 borders and today's borders are what created the West Bank area, or biblical Judea, and that is the area where all of the fuss is taking place today. The West Bank region. The Palestinians, or the Arabs at that point, believe that they should control that. And the Bible says they will have control over much of that in, in a Palestinian state in the very near future. Jews will live out there as a minority, but there will come a time when they will have to flee in the very near future. But imagine the false narrative of the international community and Europe going in there right now and saying, hey, we're going to help the Palestinians. They have a right to this land. If you understand the history of Israel and know what God established with Abraham and his descendants through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you understand the false narrative. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 